This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And action! Hello and welcome to episode 384 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to royally F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Hi, I'm Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director and a producer. And I'm delighted to welcome on the show today, the director, Nikolai Arcel. Nikolai sat down to talk with myself and Dom Lenoir all about filmmaking, all about his career as a filmmaker and his latest film, The Promised Land, which stars Mads Mikkelsen and is a stunning visual treat. Nikolai talks about why he is not proud of all of his films. What it's like adapting a book or a novel, working in Denmark, how films get financed, and the system in Denmark. He talks about how having a family changed him as a filmmaker and how he learned directing by failing. He also gives a really interesting directing actor tip. We dive into what it's like on set and Nikolai gives you what it's like for him on a typical day on set of one of his films. Uh, He also mentions why every day on a set is a compromise. Uh, For those of you out there who have made a film, you totally understand that concept. He dives deep into why he storyboards every shot on every film he's ever directed. He talks through some editing techniques, why you should write your own script, and dealing with goats and wolves, and why neither is any fun on set (laughs) so how are you this week um thank you for listening it does mean a lot and as a little favor do go like that plus button we've been told that about 60 percent of our listeners are not subscribers so see that little plus button do me a favor and just click it because it makes all the difference you would not believe um, behind the scenes and that helps us get even better guests than we are getting which i don't know how that could possibly be but 
it is. Um, obviously, recently we've had on Matthew Vaughan, we've had on Grant Hesloff, the producer of The Boys in the Boat, we've had on J.A. Bayona, uh, the director of Society of the Snow, um, as well as Sean Durkin, the director of Iron Claw, and uh, last week, Michelle Franco, who directed Memory, and the team behind Oppenheimer. So it's not like we haven't had amazing guests so far, but imagine where we could go next. So do me a favour and just click that subscribe button. Then it comes to the top of your podcast of choice inbox every week, every Tuesday when we release a new episode. So not only thanks for listening, but how are you getting on? Because last week, me and Dom had a little discussion about the industry at the moment and how difficult it is. And we had so many responses to it, so many people feeling the same way. And you only have to go on Twitter at the moment to see the amount of pain there is out there for filmmakers, for producers, for directors, for screenwriters, for crew members who are struggling. And like I say, just hang in there. This is what you want to do and this is what you're good at, then hang in there. If you haven't made anything yet, then totally understand this is a very difficult time. And if you are making things, you are working your ass off to make that happen. Not just lucky, but you're working your ass off. So congratulations to you. Keep it going. Let us know how you're getting on. And for those of you who are feeling like it's just getting too much, take a breath, take a moment. If this is what you really want to do, if this is your life choice, I am a filmmaker, I am going to continue being a filmmaker, then make it work for you. Work out what you need to do to carry on being a filmmaker, whether that's doing something else for a bit, whether that's going teaching, whether that's getting a different kind of job so that you can write in the evenings or the weekends, or you can get together with your friends on the weekends and evenings, then make that happen. It's important that you don't stop believing in yourself. That's the most important thing. Take anything away from this podcast, and the thing we want to say the most to you is you can do it. 383 episodes on just that. I've done this for nearly six years now. You can do it. I've seen people who had made anything at all go out and do it just by being inspired. So I hope you are inspired. So take comfort in the fact that everyone is in the same boat. If you're a bit of a loose end this Thursday and uh, you're in London, then come on down to the Ritzy in Brixton where Matthew Butler Hart and Tori Butler Hart will be screening their film, their latest film, the brilliant dark found footage comedy horror. Oh, less comedy, more horror. Um, Dagger from 7 o'clock. This Thursday, the 22nd, I'll be on hosting duties as well. Um, but ignore that, you'll get so much information. Cast the crew are going to be there. So come on down this Thursday, the 22nd, February 2024, in case you're in the future. So uh, on Friday, we're going to have a special episode with one love director, Reynaldo Marcus Green. He sat down with Dom and had an amazing chat about uh, making the Bob Marley movie One Love. So look forward to that on Friday. Then on Tuesday, we have the director, Isa Lopez, of, and writer, of... True Detective, Night Country. Yeah, we a TV, little TV special for you next Tuesday. But for now, let's get to uh, Nikolai Arcel, uh, the fantastic man, um, brilliant director, Danish filmmaker and screenwriter, who's best known for A Royal Affair, which also starred Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, and that won two prizes at the Berlin International Film Festival, where some of you have probably just come back from. I couldn't go this year, but I imagine you all had an interesting time. I'm looking forward to hearing 
how Tobias V's got on, how Lucinda Rose Takra got on. But anyway, Nikolai uh, won two prizes there for his film A Royal Affair. Um, it was also nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Academy Awards. But he made his first film, King's Game, um, which won him Best Director at the Danish Film Academy Awards. And then he followed that with the adventure film Island of Lost Souls before making uh, the comedy Truth About Men. He also uh, wrote the screenplay for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the original uh, movie, fantastic Swedish movie, which he got nominated for a BAFTA Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, Recently, he directed The Dark Tower, which he also wrote. The Dark Tower starred uh, Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, um, and Jackie Earl Haley. And he's directed a couple of episodes of Millennium for TV. And now he has made The Promised Land. This is a stunning piece of work uh, set in the 18th, 18th century in Denmark. It's an epic melodrama that combines elements of survival thrillers, westerns, period and historical dramas. It's basically a stunning and stark look at one man's quest to tame the harsh wilderness of the barren Northern Territory of Denmark. So, it is out in cinemas. Now, go watch it. The Promised Land. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. It is brilliant. Huge shout-out to Mike Fury from the Warrior Agency for setting this up. So let's get to it. This is myself, Jozzles, uh, sitting down with Dom Lemoire and the amazing director, Nikolai Arcel. Welcome to the Filmmakers Pod. <laughs> He's on <the> recording. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll start with that. We'll right. start with that. We'll start with that. Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. Um, yeah, we, um, we saw the movie and it was... Uh, it was a really engaging, you know, thrilling watch. It's one of those movies where it really grips you, and you, you're you're really on side with the the villainy of the bad guy and Mads Mikkelsen's character's, you know, immense struggle. I mean, it sort of reminds me of Braveheart when he's struggling against the the evil English lords. That that kind of uh, that kind of storyline, and it was yeah, very well put together characters. Thank you. So, what's the buzz like for you at the moment? Everything good? Everything feels really good. Uh, I, I'm proud of the film. I'm not proud of all mm. my films, <laughs> so it's really? actually quite oh, okay. nice to be yeah. proud of uh, a film you're doing. I'm proud of most of them, but there's certain certain films that you do in a, in a career mm. uh, that that you go like, eh, you know, I, right. I probably should have done yeah. a better job there. So this, but this time I'm really proud. I think I probably, you know, this, there there are times when you as a filmmaker kind of maybe even exceed your own talent a little bit or what mm. you were able to achieve and on this one I was on a little bit of shaky ground because of because um, the some of the characters are quite um the, the you can't really put a finger to exactly what it is mass's character is it's not like mm. he's a hero mm. nor is he a villain of any kind so it's like he's a little bit he's not a very nice guy but he, <laughs> and but he's, he's sort of heroically stubborn isn't he's, he he's he's, he's, he's he, yes he is but it's not it doesn't always make the right choices mm. he's not very nice to the people who he's with mm. uh, he has this kind of like 
very uh he's very driven and ambitious to for basically he's greedy he just mm. wants to be somebody he wants to be someone important he wants to have money that's not a really nice sort of quest no, you know no, so not. it was a little bit more it was a different film than i'm used to doing which is a little bit more uh, black and white in terms of I, heroes I, I don't i don't know if if he came across as dislikable no because I think the thing is because that's, that's because, just mess. That's just because, because it's mess. It's not, <laughs> because, I mean, it, it definitely is. Like he's he's one of those actors where you just you, you're on his side. Right. I, I suppose it's like when you when you create such a bad bad guy. Right. The the you know the 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 um the hero sort of becomes immediately likable. Right. But but I suppose you can understand his. He he seems like a guy that's like had a really hard life, and this is like his this is his sort of quest for redemption for being in the war. That, oh, that's kind of how I read into absolutely. it. Absolutely, um, and and that that's kind of what redeemed him for me. But yes. I mean, what what is it that, that that those conversations with Mads that you developed when you'd you know sort of looking at the character with him? We were really trying to build a um, build a character who changes a lot right mm. throughout the entire movie, and and but the but the idea was. What if we could avoid the sort of dramatic uh, movie cliche of having one big thing happen to him some t- at one point in the movie? You know, there's always that one scene where the, the hero yes, realizes yes. and looks at the sun and goes, mm-hmm. oh, my God, and then he changes. And, <laughs> and we actually, we really wanted to make this a lot more subtle so that when you meet him in the beginning, he's one thing. And when the film ends, he's sort of... Almost naturally, or without you having quite discovered it, he's a completely changed man. And I think that was the that was the big sort of thing for me. If we can do that um, with with that character, you know, in the beginning, he's, he doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't have love for anyone. He doesn't have emotions, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Almost aside from the emotions that he has, that he wants redemption, that he wants to be somebody, he has emotions for himself, narcissistic yeah. uh, things. Yeah. And then in the end, he's all about the people that that he cares about, yeah. and 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 it's not one thing. It's just like very slow. It's it's like real life in a way. It's like how you hopefully develop as a person as you get older and wiser. I think that was what was so magical about this film because it drew you in from the beginning because we were fascinated about who this character was. Mm. Mads played him so well. The, the, the shots were designed so well. The way you directed it felt so fresh, alive, but also. I was intrigued. It just drew you in. And the simplicity of it at times, but then also the majestic beauty yeah. of it and where you shot. Um, but before we get to that, was Mads always your choice? Obviously, you'd worked together before right. a Royal Affair. Mm-hmm. Was that correct? Right. Yes. Um, was that the first time you worked together? That was yeah. the first time, yeah. Right. And then did you have him in mind always for this? I did. I did. From the moment I, I sort of... Uh, this, is, uh, this film is based on a novel. And the moment I read almost the first page of the novel, it says, you know, we're on the heath, a hardened sort of bitter man arrives with a steely look in his eyes. I was like, okay, that's mess or nobody. (laughs) It has to be mess. And I I almost called him like, I think, 10 pages into the book and said, I think I have our next project. You know, if the book doesn't suck, you know, let's do this together. And he was like, okay, if you write a good script, you know, come back to me. uh, (laughs) You were like, if I write a good script, No, he's since Royal Affair and obviously he's become a huge movie star. So it's not Mm. like he'll just say yes to all his friends, right? Right. That doesn't happen. So I had to convince him, but, but it was so clearly a role for him because 
it really demanded such precision and so much complexity yeah. that uh, I have to say, I'm sorry to say, and I hope this doesn't get out too much in Denmark, but nobody else than Mass has the capacity to play that part in Denmark, really. Yeah. Yeah, he's like he's like sort of the top of the top of the pile in terms of just you just never know what's what's going on in his mind, right? Um, and and he does he does sort of play that that very well. I also like the way that you sort of you did transition the character in because I suppose at the start of the movie you really think it's all going to be about him, you know, succeeding in this dream, right? Uh, and and that that was the interesting surprise to me, and, and also the surprise in terms of how the the story changes, right. um, because obviously in the in the you know the true life story of this um that there's a, there's not as much information and so there's there's elements you've had to fictionalize right i think there's two paragraphs in wikipedia about this guy there's nothing yeah <laughs> so, so it's more than me yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> more than most of us exactly so, people have written many books on me so. <laughs> so so how how did you sort of how did you flesh out what the character was going to do and and how that Tra- you know, was that transition always going to be there? Was that in, in there in the book in terms of him choosing, um, I suppose, the closeness of, of the people he cares about versus this grand vision that, that it, it sort of leads you into at the start of the movie? I think it was it was implied in the book. The book the book is um, a little more. Um, uh, it's 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 a very artfully written book about nature and the heath and the and the sort of like there's long internal monologues about and I, I think Ludwig even has a captain like Star Trekky captain's log you know mm. like he's, he and then today I saw the flowers right you know and we couldn't do any of that because that would just take too much time but I think that what what I related to was something very simple was that I, I'd um, you know. I be- I've become a father recently, quite recently, uh, nice, you know, even great. though I'm actually 50, uh, 51. Oh, oh God. Oh, you uh, don't it's look horrible. It. Yeah. Uh, and then... Um, I'd put you I'd put yeah. you 49. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was going to say 41. Charles is 100. Yeah, yeah I'm great. way old. <laughs> uh, no, but I... But I, I immediately, I kind of saw in this uh, character something in myself. Not that I'm uh, like Ludwig, mm. but I saw this like... I, I've been I've been for the past 25 years Everything I've been doing has been about my work. I've only ever wanted to be a great filmmaker and just keep getting better and better. Not so much for the, you know, accolades and all that, but really just to prove to myself that I could surpass, you know, uh, my last film. Always like, Mm -hmm. can you make it better than the last one? And that's, that's a drive that's fun and exciting but it's also kind of draining in a way it's also really it just it just gives you tunnel vision in a way so i've had sort of a tunnel vision for many years and and i thought well i just keep making movies until i die that's all i need to do that's what makes me happy and then the moment my first uh, (laughs) son was born i was like oh god (laughs) i missed out on life i have to now just focus on him and now i have two kids right and so now it's become all about them. That's all I think about. I don't think about, you know, uh, you know what my next step in my career is. I just think, are they happy? Are they good? Are they healthy? Right. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's such a... Do- and I, I thought that was what I could put into... That experience, personal, is what I could put into the character of Ludwig, who really in the beginning is like a driven... You know, all he's about is the work and he wants to, you know, prove himself and become and, 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 and prove that he can do it. And then slowly he finds, oh, there's the whole concept of family and love. And, you know, it's very banal. I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. not banal, but, but still that banality, um, 
is uh, rings true to me now, and so I could tell the story uh, in a non-banal way. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah you obviously did. It's so interesting how life that hits us, things yeah. that change us, oh, yeah. changes how we are as filmmakers or people. We suddenly right. go, actually, that's not as important anymore. Right. This is what's important. I want to focus on that. Let's let's jump back. Because you, you started off as a bit of an editor, actually, but then into script writing. Mm. And script writing became your main, you know, right. drive. Sure. Obviously, you'd made a film within all that work as well, right. which is fascinating. And I think we'll come to that, your debut movie as a director. But as a screenwriter, uh, has do you feel it's changed from when you first started, obviously, to, to writing now? What's been that process like? How did you put pen to paper in the first place? What inspired you? I, th- I think um, I think I, I, I was always writing uh, even when i was a uh, kid really? you know i was kind of this i'm such a cliche filmmaker because i was a little bit of a lonely kid you know i was playing with my star Just wars like dolls Berg. right yeah. i was yeah. playing with my star wars dolls i was doing super eight movies yeah. we don't call just, them dolls we yeah. call them uh, star wars figures. <laughs> action figures no, they, action figures my sister got right, me exactly. she was like no they're dolls you're right, playing right. with he-man dolls i was like right. no no they're <laughs> and i'm sorry to say they are dolls, they are dolls sadly <laughs> but, uh, she was right but okay, yeah, Star Wars figures. So I was kind of <laughs> like the and divorced, you know, divorced my parents, and yeah. I was a little bit couldn't figure it out. And so my escape was really movies. I always went to the movies, and that's all I did when I was like between the ages of eight or nine until I, you know, was fifteen or sixteen. That's all I really wanted to do was just to watch movies. So I started writing just because I had a, a sort of a talent for that even, even when I was young. And I thought I was going to be a screenwriter. I didn't think I was going to be a director. Really? So that's why I started writing. Even when I was in film school, I got was lucky enough to get into film school. I My first um, sort of like my debut as a as a professional filmmaker was as a screenwriter. So I wrote, you know, a couple of films. Mm-hmm. And after that, I did my own first films. But then I didn't want to abandon that idea of being a screenwriter, even though I'd become a director. So what I do, which is kind of still rare, and especially in Denmark, is that I write a lot of films for other directors still. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's, but that's, uh, and that's been really good for me because writing for other directors is freeing. In a way, you don't have to. First of all, you don't have to stress about, oh, how am I going to do this scene? You can just write, and then fifty helicopters come across. The, you know, it's like somebody else figure that out. Yeah, right. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> but it's also really, it's just free and creatively because uh, because you can you can you can explore ideas that you don't necessarily think you would be really great at directing, but that you can write well, which is fun. So you so the more areas like. Dragon Tattoo, I don't yeah. think I could necessarily direct that. Maybe I could, but I think that the way Nils directed that was quite, and the way he cast it, it was perfect. But writing it was very gratifying. It was fun. And and, and it, I don't think I could have written that script if I had been the director. I would have been a much more, you know, no, this has to be art and serious. But I kind of wrote a very pulpy, you know, kind of fun uh, uh, based on the book. And It's kind of important to, to keep that that separation at least in terms of possibilities uh, i think i think one of the easiest ways to make a dull script is to try and think too much about how you're going to do it oh yeah uh, cuz then suddenly you use all, all the fun bits that actually right. create those 
crazy unique moments yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the script and then everything is like into your apartment day yeah. like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that'll be nice yeah, yeah, that'll be or, easy. or hawaii hawaii yeah yeah <laughs> caribbean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is i love the fact that you that changes and i think that's really interesting because i've only the stuff that i've written i i'm focusing on directing it yeah. or i will have directed them. right so i've never actually well i have written for other people but i've never i've always thought oh i'll be directing that. Right. So that's really interesting when someone's saying you're writing something for someone right. else and how that changes your mindset. I think that's yeah. really interesting. But you've also adapted so many novels as well. Obviously, right. this one, The Promised right. Land, right. Uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. How is that different? Obviously, you've got to adapt something that's already existing as opposed to coming up with something fresh and new. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's, honestly, I think it's, uh, it's just more fun to adapt something. Yeah, I don't know why. Original ideas for me is just such an enormous amount of choices. It's just like whenever people ask me, what would you like to do? Like, what, what's your next vision? I'm like, oh, God, there are 50,000 billion ideas, and I don't really know which one of them I should be doing. But then someone always hands me a book like, you should read this. I'm like, great this is great yeah. let's go do it i guess you could say it's a little bit easier but it also sharpens your cool. directorial kind of like mind because mm. instead of trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen you 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 begin to see images you begin to see like cast ideas and and and, and tone and ways to shoot it and ways to make the pages come alive and so i think i think you know, it's it's like Coppola. It's not not comparing myself to Coppola, but when you look at some of the great race, a lot of them actually mainly adapt like books, right? Well, well it makes mm. it makes a lot of sense because I mean, I, I read a lot of books when I was I was a kid, like fiction, yeah. and I feel like books are what forms the imagination. Like it's what gives you the ability to create, you know, great ideas. And so when you've got your, it's it's like it's almost supercharging your imagination yeah. before you start writing. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I suppose it does it does narrow it down. Is there anything in particular that you 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 look for in 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 stories? That is it is it kind of does it vary wildly from film to film? It does vary quite a, a lot, but I mean, sometimes it's also because you get hired. I was hired to do Girl Drank Tattoo. I didn't necessarily think, oh yeah, I want to write a Swedish, you know, crime thriller about a crazy goth woman and, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it was yeah. very entertaining. I was like, mm. okay, I'll certainly write that. Mm. And then, but the weird thing it was, it wasn't a phenomenon. You know, while I was, but wow. I was in the middle of no writing way. the script. Suddenly, my mom started talking about the book, and then I was, you know, in some other country, and people started talking about the book. So, oh shit! I gotta, <laughs> I probably should uh, do a good job here because everybody's <laughs> reading this book. Before that, I was all over the beaches <laughs> in Greece. You know, it's like everybody's reading that, yeah. but I didn't realize it when I took the job. Um, but but mostly, I would say I was, I would probably look for the mix of. Uh, intimacy and scope. So if there's like, um, if there's a, if there's a, if there's a scope to the story, it has an epic feel or a sweeping feel, or it feels like a big theme. You know, if if the theme feels grand or big and interesting and cinematic, 
but the the characters are really strong and 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 interesting and and it and it has that in, intimate feeling it's not like i don't I, I don't think i could ever do a straight up action film for instance i don't you know where the characters are all like let's go shoot these guys and, and i, I don't even, think i could even do the that good, the good action films the one you actually remember and you right. care about they're actually like you know really intimate dramas oh, yeah. i mean yeah, like yeah. terminator 2 you know terminator mm-hmm. 1 like they're actually more about the characters right. bonding terminator than they are Dark Fate, Terminator. No, you're right. <laughs> Terminator. Wonderful, wonderful action. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you're right. But, and, and you know, to an extent, and even Die Hard is about a guy who just yeah, needs yeah. to get back to his wife, basically. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but I th- so I do I do find uh, I, I think probably uh, dr- dr- dramatic sort of interesting. Uh, it could be a love story. It could be something about you know uh, revenge or but whatever it is. But something personal that also has a backdrop of something that I find cinematic. And there's also another reason for that, which is that I really love movies and I love going to the uh, theater to watch movies. And the times now have changed so radically that people almost never go and see a chamber piece you know a, a drama set in an apartment or you do have to have something cinematic to get people's asses in the seats mm-hmm. in the theaters right now so yeah. it's also for that reason which which is a, which is a shame because yeah. I, I enjoy going to see a drama just as much as a blockbuster i mean you know, every now and then you want to go and see a blockbuster and have that huge yeah. experience yeah. But, but also just sharing a like a you know really powerful drama with another yeah. bunch of people in an audience mm, like that, that times have changed this is the right. problem times have changed and because people weren't going to see those movies right <clears throat> they've moved to streaming a bit more right right and everyone's watching them at home not which just I mean, a bit right not a bit <laughs> but that brings the budgets to a different level yeah. and it's harder to get those made yeah. for us independents who are trying to go hey this story's great right um in terms of the your writing process then mm. whether it's a, a novel or it's an original mm. idea do you block everything out do you do a scriptment be really interesting what do you what do you actually what's the first thing obviously you tackle onto theme and tone theme and tone is really important mm-hmm. that's my that's my first thing theme is really important for me if the, if you don't have a story to tell and that's actually some of the the one or two of the films that i've done which i didn't really have a theme those are the ones that don't work for me i can't watch them today because i'm like it this is this is fun but it's about nothing uh, so if you have a theme mm-hmm. and for for this one me and my co-writer Anna thomas jensen uh we um we sort of very quickly settled on the film on the on the theme that was sort of control versus chaos right yeah the what the protagonist thinks right. he can control his life and the antagonist say, is, says that life is chaos and really you could argue for either or right you you could say yes you can take control of your life and your fate but on the other hand, life always throws like crazy obstacles at you and things mm. happen. People die, you get yeah. sick, something else. So it's also very chaotic. So we thought that was a very universal uh, theme that we, in any case, that was something that we all, that we kept discussing anyway. How do you, how do you spitball that idea? Because we've, we've talked earlier about the sort of the, the more surface level theme, which, yeah. is, which is obviously like, you know, the, what he wants versus what yeah. he, he needs at the, at the end. But how do you, how do you sort of, come up with that idea for a theme like what's the process to to come with that credit here because you know i i certainly i i saw more about sort of the the father the family man thing Mm. the ambitious guy who becomes a family man but honest thomas i don't know if you've seen i I would say to your listeners and to you guys if you haven't seen his own films like writers of justice Mm -hmm. uh adam sables he's a he's an incredible filmmaker so he's also a director and a writer so uh 
he's so strong with theme. Every single film he does has a has a really powerful and very sort of like clear theme. Mm-hmm. So he was the one that came up with like this is this is about this and control and chaos. Like he he has these these big theme ideas. So that wasn't me. That was actually him. That's interesting. Yeah. And what was it like working together with someone then? You know, which you've obviously written on your own and you've written in teams. Yeah. Does that differ in terms of like, do you plot it out? Do you say, right, who writes what? What, what we, we really do, uh, we really do it together. Sort of, we, we do plot it out together. We sit for one or two months and mm-hmm. put posters, you know, on uh, post its on the wall mm-hmm. and like figure out the structure of it. And, and then it's either me or him who does the first draft. Uh, and then we change it a lot, like so. We keep switching back and forth, mm. and do you, do you rewrite each other's scenes. We, we do, yeah, that's nice. We do I extensively, like that, yeah. but there has to be, of course, one of us is the director. The guy who directs the current film we're doing will always be the ultimate sort of decision maker. So probably this one is more heavily rewritten by me, whereas in uh, in his films, mm. it's him. You know, so it's it, it varies from mm. script to script. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. And do you obviously help each other when it comes to making of it then as well? If you've got these director friends in, in, during the editing, yes, we don't really come to set. I th- mm. I think you know we're both sort of bored. It, it's there's nothing more boring. I don't know if you know if you feel this, but there's nothing more boring than being on somebody else's set when you're not doing uh, anything. Yeah, I you actually have a really good yeah. story about that i don't know if you can edit this and if because but i at one point in my career i was sort of like just just after royal affair i was mm-hmm. becoming sort of internationally known a little bit mm. and guillermo del toro reached out and had something that hey, do you want to meet and and i was like yes i'll meet sure. you know and i'm in budapest shooting hellboy 2 do you want to come got, to set yeah i was like yes i'll come to the set <laughs> yeah, of hellboy yeah. 2 i'm free and now I was so excited i took yeah. the plane you know i landed i stayed overnight in a hotel i couldn't you know, believe how lucky I was. I got to visit Guillermo de Toro on the set of Hellboy 2. I came to the set. I met him. It was great. He said, you can sit here by the monitor and look at the, what I'm doing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in heaven. And like after 30 minutes, I was like, oh, when can I go? Because it's like so boring. Like uh, waiting for the, you know, the light setups. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, I know this. This is exactly like, you know, as, as boring as when I'm waiting for some lights. And then after an hour, I said, Guillermo, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was such a, yeah, there's just nothing. So we don't come, Thomas and me, honest Thomas, me don't rigid each other sets for that reason because it's not that interesting. That's fascinating. So so where, where did you come up with the, the point in which you're going to start this movie and end it? Because that's always, that's, always a, that's, that's always a difficult thing to, yes. to figure out is, is like where to start a movie. You want to sort of start it with the ground running, but right. you also want to allow enough texture for like the, you know, the background of the character. Right. Yeah. The ending was really easy because we knew, I, of course, I don't know if I can spoil the ending, but there's a very yeah. specific ending that has to do with the character's development and what happens and what he needs to go do. Mm. So the ending was written in stone. The beginning was super, super tough to figure out. And I don't know that we even solved it fully. You know, there's something about we had scenes of him being in the war. Mm-hmm. We had scenes of him like being, uh, you know, there was a there was a scene where others got promoted ahead of him just, just to show who he was. I even at one point had a draft where we had a childhood scene where he was, you know, on the manor with his, uh, you know, he was the, the bastard son of this mm-hmm. landowner yeah. and... Mini it mats, was all, yeah. yeah, but it was mini mats, but it was all, too, it was too much and it was too expensive. So in the end, we just went like, he gets the job, 
he yeah, goes yeah, out yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you know and no uh, spoilers here yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was, I mean, it was like let's just start it where it's supposed to start the thing yeah. is when you've got an actor that could do that that much as well it's yeah. like you, you've you've basically just assumed in every scene like he can just play his history like yeah. you can just fill in the gaps right. emotionally and that's the thing he could that's the thing right. with him you he, you felt like I got so much from him right. and from you pulling out whatever you did right. because you believed in whatever his history was he could see it through his eyes the way he was the way he held himself right. and that was special so right. it worked so, 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 and, and again that, that just speaks to Mass's uh, talent and also not a lot of people you know could could if 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 I had had another actor perhaps we would have to do some kind of emotional mm-hmm. like oh look how he was as a kid and now he <laughs> but yeah. we don't have to do that with yeah. Matt because all the pain is in his eyes yeah. you know you can see it yes. yeah so that is good that is good well let's talk about uh, while we talk about the promised land anyway and the writing process was it something that when you when you knew you wanted to make this when someone had handed you the book you'd read it and said right I'm going to make this did you then option it do you send it to your producers how does it the process work for you yeah. in your career where you're at now where you go I want to do this next right how do you then go about I'm, I'm fortunate it? enough that I uh, you know in in Europe or in Denmark at least I don't think in America at all but in Denmark uh, I I am one of the first ones who gets an option on something new mm. which is uh, I think it's you know we're five or six or seven directors who mm. have had enough success that you know when somebody sends you a book it's not like you have to fight for it it's because they want you to do the book and in this case they sent the book to me and said do you want to do this book the publisher right right, right. so I so of course when I'd read it and I loved it i said yes please and we we bought the rights and uh right is that your company or is it the that's Centropa Centropa yeah right great. who i work for yeah yes okay. which is uh, Big really last von Trier's yeah. uh, company but uh, he's he's kind of it's not he's not running it he's you know uh, but uh, yeah. he created it or founded mm. it so so i mean now to get something green lit it's you know you've obviously earned, earned your accolades and sure. it, it comes to you a little bit more easily right how did you raise money how did you get those first projects made when you were sort of fledgling and and maybe writing trying to get that first directing made yeah king's game was your first yeah. directing yeah, game yeah, so yeah. yeah tell us about that 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 was a tough one to get made because nobody believed in the idea of a political thriller at the time mm. i don't know if you can even recall you're so young guys but uh, it's very kind of you. but uh, but there was a time where political thrillers was like nobody wants to go watch them and especially in denmark there was a feeling that denmark is such a safe and nice you know country and there's no corruption and mm-hmm. so people were like nobody's going to go watch a, a, a political thriller here until they made so, that four series uh, what was it called uh, was it Bjorgen or Borgen? Borgen Borgen yeah yeah, yeah. Borgen, but yeah. Borgen is yeah. standing on the shoulders of our film your work because, oh, because, that, work, yeah. because nobody did it and then two years after our film came out it was all the rage like That's only amazing. political thrillers got made and Borgen happened right brilliant and even the head writer of that show is just like yeah we couldn't have done it without so I'm proud to have been part of that so now I, I'm a little bored with like every show is a political thriller I think yeah. it's like okay it's been 20 years guys been done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did it first yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but how did you raise the money no it, it was just uh, it was pure dumb luck I think um, there's like uh, this, this the big financing uh Uh, the way to get financing is through the you know government funding government systems, yeah. and there was a f- there was another film that had fallen through and the guy who sort of like 
gives out the money. He's just like, oh, by the way, the other film is falling through. Do you want the money? I was like, oh. yes, please. <laughs> the so, guy so gives my, out the money. So please, my please, career please, really please. different. We need that system yes. in the UK. Yes, <laughs> the guy that gives out no, money in the no, UK. No, no, no. <laughs> there was there was here and that was so really like a piece of great luck that uh, that created my career. But mm. I I would have but you to, worked I will have hard say, for that. I did, and before yeah. that movie. I had written a uh, a successful action film for kids called Catch That Kid. So that was already out. So I'd already made a little bit of a name as a screenwriter, which actually later got remade in the U.S. with Kristen Stewart, weirdly. So, yeah, so I think that was also part of it. You know, they they knew I could do something that was Mm. commercial and, you know. And the fact that you'd written it, did that help as well? The King's Game was that they suddenly went, well, you've written it it'd be easier for you to direct and at that right. point you'd made a couple of shorts anyway as a director also I'd gone to the Danish National Danish Film School and and here's the thing about that that in more so than in almost any other country the National Danish Film School because it's so hard to get into six directors every two years get in it's what? almost like when you get in you're already considered you yeah. right you're already considered to be a film like okay you're one of the filmmakers that we that we so it's so you know, everything is luck and fortune and talent, of course, but I've been really fortunate. I've been lucky that I've seen some friends of mine who've been trying to get into net, to the film school who are so talented but didn't get in. So it's really like if you're lucky enough, then you're kind of in the system already. And mm-hmm. and from film school, there's almost like if you've gone to film school, there's a there's a there's a there's a, this kind of a feeling that you will get money for your first future film at some point mm-hmm. because we want to see what you can do and that's the that's the blessing of the government funding system because yeah. it's all part of like trying to create a stable of of artists in the film community that can grow right? i suppose it's a bit like the ntfs in in, in the uk like they, they give you money and they right they try and try and place you so there is some of that here there's, yeah. a, there's a little bit it's, yeah i don't yeah. think it's it's quite a, a sort of small and a right. um you know promotional club so so what did you what did you learn on that that course because you'd come in with a sort of screenwriting background how did you really figure out the the acting and, and the camera side was that just naturally from the the story and what's on the page or did you really have to dive into learning that side more I just I just learned by failing constantly. The, my entire four years of film school was a, was was a nightmare, creatively a nightmare. It was really fun because I met a lot of fun people and we drank a lot of beers and all that. But uh, <laughs> but the, the the creatively, I just kept failing. I thought I thought I couldn't direct actors. I kept overthinking it and telling them too much information all the time. No, what you're really feeling, nah, nah. you know. I was just like blabbering on, and it was so the 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 films that I made were so like constructed and 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 probably pretentious and you know and so <laughs> I really made a bad uh, final film mm. uh, which I really felt like oh shit you don't have the talent that you thought you have so that when I finally got the shot and I made King's Game I was so conscious of trying to make everything real like if if I don't believe in what I'm seeing what the actors are doing if they're not like if it's not fast paced, if it's not, if it doesn't feel true, I have to ask them to do it again and again and again and again. So I became really a control freak, and that paid off because the realness of the acting is always what gets you through, yeah. like any good film, right? Mm-hmm. If if it feels real and true, so that so I kind of learned by failing. I would say. Do you, do you think a lot of it is? I mean, I, I feel like a lot of it is 
if you cast right and right. you've explained the, the the characters in enough detail and right. the script is good enough, you shouldn't have to give hundreds of notes to no. en- to any actor. No. And when you are having to give or, or feel like you're having to give hundreds yeah. of notes, it's because someone's not on the right page or oh, yeah. someone hasn't been cast exactly. that has the the depth to understand what you're saying. Does, right. that, does that feel true? That's completely true. I had several instances. I've had uh, several instances of that on on my first film, where I cast a very well known uh actor in the lead of the of, of sort of like the the bad guy the antagonist politician mm. and he's so charming in real he's also a magician i, I he's like a cabaret he kept does disappearing a lot of different things and so yeah no no but what it, what it is was he would play this politician really sort of charming and fun mm. and 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 after one week of shooting i had to sort of and i was afraid because he's a big star and i'm a new director i had to go and tell him you're doing this completely wrong. Like, the politicians are actually not very good. Like, when there's a camera, I don't know if you noticed this, but yes. all politicians are weirdly sort of like, no, I think... Rah, rah, rah. They go like, stiff. Yeah, they're, they're stiff difficult. and weird, and, and mm. you have to be stiff and weird and awkward. Yeah. And, and, and thank God that he loved that note. He said, oh, I completely get it. And then he did that. But I, was, I got a little braver in what I could tell the actors, I think, because I so badly did not want to fail. So it's just like, just go for broke. Just tell them if you don't think it's working. So I, I started a thing where I just said, you're overacting. You know, instead instead of like being afraid, and mm-hmm. I, so now I just do that if if I feel it's an, it, it's way too much. Tone it down, dude. Like, and and a lot of actors actually like it because yes. it's just you telling them the truth. You're yeah. just telling them what you see, and they like that you have mm-hmm. a vision. And you say, no, take seventy percent off. You're like way over the top, yes. and they actually enjoy that instead of somebody like you know. Imagine you're in a bus and like <laughs> all these kind of and weird, a bomb. weird way to direct. You know, like yeah, yeah. Do you try to try to remember your mother. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. No, just you tell me where you five bits right. of, of this like one you know two minute scene, and they're like <laughs> give you five or seven notes of like little <laughs> right. micro tweaks. Right, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. try and do this bit, right. try and do that right. bit, and then you're just watching like a parrot. It doesn't <laughs> work at all. Exactly, yeah. yeah ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply um, okay, so bringing it back to the promised land in that sense. So Zootrope picked it up uh, with you. You're writing it. Is, is there any point after they get the script that you've written that they could still say no? Or if Mads said no and they didn't get the cast? Or was it always, we're making this regardless? It'd be madness not to. Uh, <laughs> it does happen. It, it happened a lot when I, I, was, I lived in Los Angeles for five years. Mm-hmm. And that was all that happened in Los Angeles. For those five years... All that happened yeah. was projects that were really happening and we got Chris Evans and we got mm-hmm. some, you know, and that's my entire life of those five years was was projects that I'd worked on for a year or more that didn't happen. Suddenly, for some reason, I was like, right. what the hell is happening in this town? Like nothing, nothing gets made. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> nothing gets made and everybody's so fickle and everybody changes their mind and, you know, mm. and but in Denmark, it doesn't happen that much. I mean, of course, there would have probably... 
we could have run into a financing issues because it's a quite an expensive film for a Danish film. I think it's about a eight or nine, you know, mm. something right. like million right. uh, okay. pounds. And it's normally half that. In it's normally half that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, but Mass's presence worth every uh, penny, right? And mm-hmm. and because he really gets a film financed, and we were able to sell it uh, to the world. Mm. Um, even before we shot, which means that we had sort of the money to make it, and that's all mass. That's certainly not me. That's just yeah. mass mix, right? So that that's very uh, that's very good that he came on board, right? So now you're definitely making it. and You're moving forward. Right. You're thinking about your directing process slightly when you're writing it. I imagine in some way you're going right. Okay, sure. I'm already in that place. Was there any changes from what you first imagined the film was going to be to when you then got to a Heath and found a Heath that would work and the image you had of it? Was there anything that derailed you a little bit as a director? I think that just I think that uh, happens on uh, every movie. There was a uh, there was actually uh, I, I had a discussion with uh, one of my friends who's not in the film business a uh, couple of months ago, and. Um, and and she said, "Oh my God, I hate you know." This, yesterday I came to work and I, everything was just chaos and nobody had done what they were supposed to do and I had to navigate and I hate when those days happen and and I go like that's every day on my job like literally every day is getting to set and, yeah. and finding out something's not working mm-hmm. you know oh God you know the, it's raining or yeah. what Heath's somebody forgot the crane you know like or some actor has slept overslept yes or, you know, yeah. there's always some crazy thing that you have to troubleshoot forgot, forgot the cauldron of boiling water <laughs> right yeah, exactly. right it's, yeah. it's everything you know it's always something and where's the goat there's supposed to be a yeah, goat. oh goat. shit we gotta yeah. go get a goat it's like it takes an hour to get a goat go run away. what are we gonna do like yeah. we're gonna shoot around the goat and yeah. like weird shit that you have to deal with <laughs> yes um, it's always so <laughs> always compromise every day is a compromise mm. from your original vision when you write and i i know you guys know this when you write something you have a masterpiece in your head and every scene is beautiful and wonderful. Mm. <laughs> and then when you get to the set, it's like, yeah. uh, I guess it doesn't look exactly like it was, but, you know, I'll, I'll try to make it kind of work <laughs> and maybe we'll fix it in post, you know. There's mm. a windmill, we'll take it out, yeah. you know. There's a, so there's a lot of that. But the good thing is experience brings the calm to realize that, well, if it's in the script, if you don't sort of completely mess it up, uh you'll get something in the editing room. If the script is strong and good and, and and you don't have to have every scene be wonderful and amazing. As long as certain scenes are, mm. as long as the final sort of like journey is yes. sort of what's in the script, you can probably make it out okay, right? So that's uh, that's what you that's what experience gets you. Was there any sort of major changes that you maybe had to do pickups or that you altered the edit after you shot it that kind of changed into the final version i did there was there was one there was one major change which is the character of the priest mm-hmm. he was quite a lot bigger oh, yeah. in the yeah. original script oh, okay. uh, he was a great actor yeah, yeah he's a good him. actor I mean, he, he definitely has a presence for sure yeah. he does and so and we found out that we didn't need all these like in the end this actually there's a it's like a director's not really a director's cut there's like a in one year from now there's a longer version there's yeah one, a year from <laughs> now there'll come a longer version on danish national tv and nice. those scenes will be reinstated Great. he actually meets the priest as like a friendship before the, it's it's different oh, okay. but but it doesn't it doesn't really affect the main story no, it so it's not yeah. like it's it's a huge change and the, and we did one day of pickups which was only because there were certain times where it felt like when i was in the editing i could see that oh i can see on this day we were rushing so much to get 
just like the sunshine or the whatever, like the goat, mm. you know, that I forgot. <laughs> that, that I forgot to do <laughs> a close up. You know? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Goat, the, goats, <laughs> the goats were always a problem. But you know, I might have forgotten to do a close up of getting that one beat of emotion. So mm. I asked Mass to come back in for literally one day of certain close ups, which right. was very easy to do. And 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 I always do this. Every film yeah. you always do like one day of something, right? Mm. I, I like I yeah. like that. I, I like the the ability to come back to it in the edit, right? And you know, as long as you've shot the the, the wides and the establishes yeah, yeah. and the main sort of core stuff, it's, yeah. it's actually so easy to cheat a couple of close-ups when you need it. it yeah, is. I would say it should be part of the ori- every original budget. Yes, you should just have like yeah. three days of shooting yeah. after it's, the it's edit has yeah. begun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You so you've got twenty-five days. It's not. It's twenty-eight right. days. Exactly. But those ones the later. You so should it's all really always do that. Yeah, I agree. And what's your process like on set? Talk us through a normal day. Do you get to set early? Do you sit in the location for a while? Do you story? board and plan everything storyboard I yeah. storyboard every single shot okay uh and first of all because i th- i find it 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 um it makes a final sort of film more uh, it, it, it 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 to make a big film for a, a small amount of money you do have to do that you do have to plan a lot because if you if you don't you kind of arrive on set and start thinking uh oh, how do i shoot this where do i put the camera you know if you you don't have the time because if if you have to do so much work in one day that you really have to be prepared. So every day there'll be like a blackboard of, of all the storyboard images we're doing today. The crew will be totally know what we're doing. Mm. The actors will know what we're doing, what angles, we mirror, and you'll prioritize the hard shots. You know, like we'll do the crane here, we'll do the thing. Here's where we do the really tough shoot of this and the goats, back to the goats, and, <laughs> and then we'll move in for some of the close. So I storyboard. I'm always there before everybody. Me and the DOP are there very early and sort of feel the morning or feel the day and what's the weather like and what's the you know what what are we doing today what's important what can be left out if we run out of time mm-hmm. uh i have a very close relationship with my dop we work together on every film since i was 25 wow so it's, it's, it's like yeah we're yeah. kind of like a we have a shorthand you know and uh and so that and and then rest of the day all I do is just focus on the actors because right. my DOP is my general. He's like, mm. he knows exactly what I want. He sets up all the cameras and stuff and the technical stuff and I can focus on just the actors yeah. and that's what I do. I think that, I think that's wow. the best, well, it's not the best approach. I can't, I can't say that, but it's, <laughs> it's, 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 my, it's my favorite approach is because you, you can, if you've got a good DOP that really understands where you're coming from, right. you can go through so much of it in, right. a, in advance and you know, you can, you can really get stuck into the, the micromanaging on the day and, and start like tweaking shots all the time, which, right. you know, some some directors are like pure visual and that's yeah. that's their thing but i feel like you know if you if you could if you've communicated in advance the actors are the most important thing to oh. to be tweaking Absolutely. um and you know your dop should be sort of on your page and and you know yeah. allow a bit of yeah. delegation yeah i couldn't agree more yeah and your dop is rasmus yeah. is that the one yeah rasmus how do you pronounce his surname rasmus Wiedebeck. Wiedebeck. Yeah. Wiedebeck. I think today oh. is going to be announced that, so it'll probably be fine to say that he's won the European Film Award uh, cinematography for this film, which is nice. The yeah. Land. Yeah. That's amazing. Really cool. Yeah. Um, and in the edit then, talking about that and, and, and moving around, what's, what do you like to do there? Do you, do you give the editor time first? Do you come in later? What have you learned from your process? You mentioned earlier how 
uh, by it made you a better director, I suppose, uh, uh, by going through that whole edit process. Yeah, I'm very much a guy who likes to be in the editing room mm. and try out stuff myself with the editor. I'm not, I don't really hand it over. I always let the editor have as a, a sort of a an edit zero, which yeah. is basically an assembly of all the scenes. And then I go like, okay, this is nothing like what I want. Let's do it all over again. But at least there's the assembly and at least that's a way for the editor to get familiar with all the material mm -hmm. but i but i'm always disagreeing with the choices and the takes and yeah. you know <clears throat> and so we go through it and i usually uh over i usually go over in the edit i spend a lot of time i think that's because i'm also a writer so i keep thinking of oh maybe this scene could actually be something completely different than what i originally envisioned mm -hmm. and then we rewrite the scene and then we re-edit some of the you know and so i i, I tend to go over and and uh, probably a little more than I should in the editing room. Okay. Uh, on this one, it was particularly hard because it's a film that takes place over the course of you know ten years, I guess, mm -hmm. and and that's it's a tough to edit without, and you 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 can easily lose the flow. Or like people go, oh, I don't want you know, I'm, what happens now? And a whole next year or something new. You know, you have to keep sort of like being trimming and being very sharp. And so it took a long time to get the final structure. And you ha you have yeah. to find an editor that understands acting in the way that you do as well. Sure. Because otherwise it's it's a very frustrating process because right. they're just choosing takes. You're like, why have you chosen that one? Yeah. Like, they're obviously not great or they're right. looking around. And, right. And, and some, some editors are like very technical. Some have a great balance. Yeah. Some are like very actory, but they, they can't sometimes solve like very simple technical things. We're like, right. well, if you just flip this shot around, yeah, you'll yeah. solve the problem. Right. Uh, that's, that's so important, isn't it? Do, do you tend it to work tough. with the same editors or...? I've 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 always worked with the same editor who's Michael Nilsson, who actually won the Oscar mm. for Sound of Metal uh, yeah, two great years ago, film. Yeah, and he, he he and I worked on uh, my first four oh, yeah. films, mm. five films. He also did Banshees of Insurance. In, in Insurance, in, in uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so when he won the Oscar, he got so many offers that he had sort of overbooked himself, so he couldn't do this one. Oh. And I was like, "Fuck, man, we've yeah. done six films, five films together." But but. Then I got the guy who uh, edits Joachim Trier's film, like the worst yep. person in the world, mm -hmm. and, you know, and he was a fresh sort of like, uh, it was interesting to work with somebody new. It was really yeah. cool. Yeah. And I think you can even feel it in this film. I don't know if you've seen Royal Affairs. Some people yeah. certainly will have of your listeners. It's a very different kind of film. Yeah. Uh, this is much more... It's a little more visceral. Grounded, it's more like, dirty. Yeah, it's like, and I think that's yeah. partly him. He has like zero tolerance for like too, too like emotional stuff. It's like, no, cut it out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you, you got the point. You know, it's like, it's yeah. fun to have like, so he was a pretty strong voice in the editing room, I would say, mm, which is fun. Nice. Well, it's interesting you say that because I thought this film was so rich in color yeah. and that could have been the grade that you put on it and the, the style. But that's all Rasmus, man. He's really? so good. It was He's beautiful. So good. I literally was going, oh. And it's it, all natural light, it was, right? Really? Because yeah. it was natural and dirty and yeah. I was in there in the dirt and you can feel the fingernails yeah. literally putting the potatoes right. in but yet the colours were so right. rich right. and fresh and the, the frost and the sunlight it was right. gorgeous radiance of the goat yeah the, even yeah. the goat looked gorgeous <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so that must be like saying you, when you find those collaborators you right. stick with them right or you try to right 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 yeah. but we also did something new on this one which was we looked at the old David Lean movies yeah, and yeah. the way they used the lenses and the way they used the light for depth of field so mm -hmm. in on this one more so than in any other film it was very wide angle like it was a very that we had such strong 
uh, depth of uh, field and a lot mm. of focus. So when you even in the close-ups, you can see everything in the details back. in yeah. the background, mm. which is very David Lean and actually kind of old-school way to do yeah. films. But we found that that old-school way brought a certain weird modern kind of like cool feeling mm. where, where it's like you always feel the landscape and the nature even if you're sort of in close-ups which is really fun the vastness kind of, of it yeah. right exactly because it, it yeah. does just always feel like you're in the middle of like nowhere right yeah. right so that is. was interesting <laughs> and, so and, we kind of had to go back in time to get that look yes and it was beautiful uh and the promised land is just such a great film it's out now go watch this film out in cinemas go see it on the biggest screen go see mm. this in cinemas it's mind-blowing for yeah. you it's an incredible movie yeah. go watch it um, it's also uh, April fifteenth is the date for when it'll be on streaming. So you've got plenty of time. So for now, seeing the cinema first, seeing the cinema first, we'll promote yeah. it again later. But for now, yeah, cinemas, go watch it. Yes, and, and just to, just to wrap things up, if you had any advice for a younger version of yourself, um, going back in time, breaking into the industry, maybe making that first feature film or something like that, what would that advice be? Oh. God, I <laughs> <laughs> don't do I it. Have no. Five thousand things to say to a younger version of myself. Um, you know, um, I would say the best advice I can give to any uh, filmmaker that wants to go and make a film, a director film, is like learn how to write a good script because that always gives you the power to be able to make a, a yeah. direct. If you if you don't, if you can't write, then you're too dependent on like, oh, does somebody have a good script? Can I get, do, can you write something mm -hmm. for me? Mm -hmm. Just, if you can write a good script, you can, you can, it's easier to get people to fund your stuff. Yeah. Right. And if you can write interesting characters. Exactly. And, and, and mm -hmm. not just bland sort of conflict. Yeah. Strong right. dialogue. Yeah. They'll trust you to, uh, to also be a, a, a solid director. Brilliant. We're very happy with to, that. Just tell the, uh, yeah. the actors that they're overacting. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Allow, allow extra time in the schedule for ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's for <laughs> always, ghosts. Always. Yeah. Never and never work with wolves, by the way. Oh that was, wow, okay. that was that was not 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 in the goats at the same time. No, no, don't work <laughs> with wolves. No, that, well, that was they're like, not trained. Aren't they? they certainly they don't want there, to. Be there was like kind enough. of a Why wolf dog that was trained, but it still took like five hours to just get them to do like this, and it was horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a growler. Yeah. Uh, well, there we go. Don't ever work with wolves right. uh, yeah. and write your own stuff. Nikolai, thank you so much. This yeah. has been so insightful and fantastic. Thanks yeah. for having me. Great film, pretty good drama. Thanks yeah. for having me. Pleasure. There we go.